everyone. Welcome to the Americana Station podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Uh, I have my buddy Afton Wolf on the podcast today uh, talking about some new singles that are going to turn into a EP or record. Um, and uh, those are out now. You can stream those on uh, your favorite, stream- favorite streaming platform. You can also purchase them on Bandcamp. Uh, check out AftonWolf.com uh, to also take a look at those. Um, but we'll get started with uh, Afton in just a minute, but I just want to let you know that uh, it's actually, uh, as of today, when this releases, one week until my new record comes out, uh, Tioga Titan, uh, it comes out on the 21st. Uh, if you visit willpainharrison.com slash store, you can check out uh, the pre-sales on those records. If you buy anything up until the day uh, of the album release, uh, it will come with a free signed 8x10. So uh, go pick up my new record, uh, pick up that sweet merch. I got some shirts, some hats, uh, I even have some stuff on sale. I've got some uh, Living With Ghost shirts that got a spooky ghost on them, some cartoon Will Payne Harrisons, and uh, some other assorted stuff like mugs. So go check out my website. Please pre-order the record. Uh, make sure you pre-save it if you're a streamer. And um, I'm really excited. Uh, if you are listening to this before the 21st, I will be playing at The Basement, uh, with my co-host, India Ramey. So we'll both be playing that night. I'm super excited about that. So please uh, come support us at the basement here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Veronica Stanton, who has also been on the show before, will be opening uh, as a duo. Uh, so you can check out some amazing uh, podcast people at this show. Uh, without further ado, let's get into Afton Wolf. Welcome to the Americana Station podcast. Today on the podcast, I have Afton Wolf. Uh, Afton recently released a couple of singles and is doing a few more coming up soon. Yeah. Um, so tell one of them was a cover. I know that, right? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Um, back in okay, I think it was January. Now I did a uh, a cover of Ooh La La, ah, yeah. Faces song, one of the greatest songs ever, and that was Simple. with Brett. With, Stewart, yeah, it was at Brad Stewart Studio, mm-hmm. Wirebird Productions, and it was a duet with uh, one of my heroes and friends, uh, Carrie Hudson, and a bunch of other my friends. One of them was Mike Stokes on the bass, uh, and then Arakli and Dan, Arakli Gabriel, Dan Seymour, Daniel Seymour, Rebecca Weiner Tompkins, Dylan Warneck, Carrie's daughter Anna, uh, Christina Miller, Katrina Miller, sorry. Sorry, Katrina. Uh, like I think that was it. All star East Nashville cast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, well, that's, it was it was fun. I had a Nana K come over with her camera, and she's just just a great film filmmaker. Uh, and she filmed yeah. the entire recording, and it was just uh, you know the video is just kind of five minute smile with me and my favorite people singing one of my favorite songs. So it was really nice. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, Brett working with Brett is just fantastic too. He's great at he's great. 
making exactly. you feel comfortable and the yeah. room is always great. I haven't been to his new studio, but yeah, I, I think he's basically just transplanted. I never went to his old one, but I've been to the new one a few times now because I did some more recording and I'm doing some more recording there now. So, but no, I love Brett and uh, congratulations to Brett and Rosemary yeah. on there. They're uh, gonna have a baby. Yeah, they're gonna have a baby, little little baby Brett. When is that coming? Uh, you know, Too I knew soon. that answer, and I don't anymore. <laughs> I want to say late fall, early winter. Oh, okay. But, I mean, yeah. Brett's been practicing the dad jokes for years, so he's going to nail it. <laughs> <laughs> he's absolutely adept at the dad jokes. Now he's going to kill. He's going to kill. Uh, yeah, but then uh, after that, another thing I did uh, recording with Brett, I've got, I mean, I've got, I, I know some secrets about Brett, and I'm blackmailing him. Uh, <laughs> for production work and engineering stuff. So uh, if he knows what's good for him, he'll keep the uh, tap going. But uh, now and then I did Late Night Radio and So Purple over there, which just came out at the end of May. So uh, those are the last couple of things that have come out. And that was kind of a, like that, that that's part one or act one of a three act uh, release. It's going to culminate in probably February of 2023. Um, it's going to turn into an album? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying something a little new, you know, to to keep the content out there. And, you know, uh, you, you know you're a songwriter yeah. and you, you know how difficult it is to plan these releases and stuff. So I'm kind of trying to do this uh, as an as-I-go thing, but also put it together as a, uh, a physical... And a, and, a, and a full concept later but in the meantime do small digital releases and the single with Carrie was was cool it was a one-off because it was a cover and it was a duet ooh la la but for these next ones I'm going to do them two at a time because I grew up you know with cassette singles and yeah. 45s and I mean you gotta give people two songs an A side a B side thing. right so yeah, yeah that's kind of the it's a good that's way. To, idea yeah, if you if you hate the A side, at least you got the B side. Exactly, you, know? you can totally a waste choice. Money. Yeah, but you can't overwhelm them. I don't, I don't think you know. I think that uh, as much as I love albums and as much as I love to go through an entire album, I think there is a, a an argument that uh, you know it's it, it's hard to keep people's attention for for ten songs these days. You know, all at once. So. Yeah, it is, and I, I've noticed that like um, like people now that are becoming fans of my music are going back and listening to those songs that no one listened to. Right. But you know, if you look at the top plays on, on like any of my streaming platforms, it's like the same, like three or four songs right. that they all gravitate towards. Uh, it, and, it's usually the newest stuff or it's <laughs> yeah. the ones that pop up the first because they've got more plays or something. And that's, it's good and fine. I mean, you know, like I say, I, I, I prefer to listen to an album all the way through, but I don't always. And I, I got to confess that. I got to admit that myself. You know, I mean, I, there's there's so much music that comes out all the time. I think that that's, that's where I'm going wrong because I just re have been releasing records and that's because I consume records. So like when someone puts out a record, I listen to the thing front to back several right. times. Yeah. I don't listen to singles. And so I think I just made the assumption yeah, <laughs> and it's I, not true. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I'm the same way, you know, but it's, uh, you know, what happens with me so much is uh, when I find a record or two, like, I will not stop listening to it, yeah. you know, and it's all I listen to. And meanwhile, there's thousands of songs coming out every day, yeah. and I just kind of catch them as they fly by me, but I haven't been able to put the Superwolves album down 
for over a year now, you know, and between that and the new Kendrick Lamar, like I've really been listening to those two albums for yeah. a lot of my time. And then something will come across as one or two songs off of an album and I'll save it like, I'll, and I will get to it one day, but God knows when, you know, and, I think the only thing that I have, uh, when it comes to singles in the Americana format is that like, you know, uh, I get, pitched a lot for the playlist and stuff like that and you'll listen to one and you'll just be like no and, right and like then it's like no forever so that's the only thing that kind of sucks about sure. singles because you know someone will pitch a song and i'm like oh yeah that's not the that's vibe not and the next one could be but i don't know yeah because you didn't get the album but yeah. i mean if you listen to every album i mean yeah i could never see a child yeah exactly <laughs> that's true you never have any conversations with anyone you ever loved right uh which is problematic, but no, I mean I, I I get it, you know. I mean it's it's uh, it's it's a tricky situation now because the supply keeps oh my god yeah. multiplying. Yeah, you know, I mean, and that's it's the whole argument about the economics of music now. It's right. Like, I mean, I, I understand it, and I want more money for for music too, but the supply keeps growing and the demand stays relatively static. Right. So just, anyone who doesn't create a brand these days loses out because people are, are consuming brands. Right. Unfortunately. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's, that, that's true. And, you know, you have, you have a great chance of getting a record deal. If you happen to be playing your song while a gaggle of squirrels attacks you and somebody's <laughs> videotaping it, you, know, you get 90 million views yeah. on TikTok, and that's exactly. worth the record deal. You know, if your song happens to be playing during it, then, I'm sure there's some way to make some money from that, but yeah, no, I mean, there's, you know, how to make money playing music is such a, is such a, such a tough question to deal with because it's, uh, you know, it's necessary to try to figure out the economics of it, but it also, to me, feels like it puts a, it puts a, um, a lot of friction between what I try, what I'm trying to actually do with music, and that has nothing to do with money. Right? Yeah. You know? I mean, totally. I play music to connect with people, and you know, I would like to connect with more people, and it takes money to do that. And then there is a monetary reward for connecting with more people, presumably. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, even though I've connected <laughs> with a few people. But you know, that's my goal: is to connect with people, connect with people like you, and do things like this. Talk about music, connect with people like Mike, get together and play music. Yeah. But my favorite thing is to connect with people from the stage. You know, so I think that's the most authentic thing. You know, and I, that's the reason it's the purest connection. Yeah, I no mean, doubt. people have different reasons for doing music, for sure. You know, some people just want to be famous and they have no other aspiration. But I, I think I'm on the same page with you, where it's like it's about the connection. You know, you write that song, hoping that someone else that goes through that same shit is like, oh my god, there's someone else. You know, or Absolutely. you know, thinks the way you're like this, just this way that I think that's like a little bit different. That like I tell my friend that and they don't get it. That like maybe someone, somebody that speaks your language. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. No, and that's uh, yeah. I mean, the people that want to be famous, they'll probably end up famous. Uh, you know, it might be in some true crime way for some <laughs> of them, or you know, Scoop Nashville's doing a hell of a job out there. Uh, or that Skittles guy, the. I don't know what his name is. The rapper guy with like the skittle teeth and oh sure, uh, Takashi. Yeah, Takashi yeah, six nine. Yeah, you knew. Yeah, yeah, I. Well, you know, I keep up with the. I keep, I keep up with that. 
with with that uh that a lot uh he's a terrible 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 rapper uh yeah but really good at being famous yeah exactly you know? that's really good yeah. at being famous uh well until you know until he became infamous you know? right yeah. which is a snitch or whatever yeah, yeah 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 that's a that's a tough life there uh but yeah that's uh it's a curious question like we were talking before we started recording i uh just got back from a two-week tour and you know other than gas prices it was a wild success you know we had a lot yeah. of great crowds we had a lot of a lot of people that were really digging the music and i think i was connecting with them on a way that maybe other people don't connect with them and that's kind of my goal is to to, to find another door or window into connecting with people because you know that's I don't know. I guess that's what everybody's goal in this world is with every human interaction. But that's where, my where did goal you with hit? Music, but uh, did you go West Coast or East Coast? East Coast. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Folk Alliance. Yeah. Did, did that for the first time, and that was a really fun experience with a lot of alcohol. I only fell once, and it was really because it was so dark, and <laughs> people had their guitar cases all over the floor, but. I was pretty drunk too, so I left the room pretty quickly. I didn't get to see what anybody thought about that. Uh, but that that was really fun. Met a lot of cool people and saw a lot of great music there. Uh, and that whole setup, have you been? I've been to the main Folk Alliance. Was it the main one? Yeah. In, in Kansas City or whatever? This yeah. 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 Um, in the hotel rooms and all yeah, that. Yeah. I, I went to the Kansas City one yeah. probably like 2018, 19, something like yeah, that. Yeah. That was, yeah. Yeah. The right, the one before they, yeah. they stopped. Yeah. This was my first time. And I think it was the first one. I mean, obviously, it was the first one back. And I think it was a little bit less attended, you mm -hmm. know, because it's a bit of an older crowd. I think maybe a little bit more high risk. Yeah. For, Closed gatherings, and sure. that is a closed gathering, you know. And they had everybody walking around. Uh, don't want to get in, don't want to get into that, but <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. I mean, there was you were breathing everybody else's air there in those, yeah. in those hotel rooms. Uh, but that was a really fun time. Got back for a couple of days, did a show at the five spot, the show at, in, in Louisville. Then came back home and then we went all the way to Buffalo after Memorial Day. And then we went from Buffalo across New York State, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, uh, and then down the East Coast. So it was, it, it was fun, but I, I kind of consider that entire thing a tour because I only had mm -hmm. like three days off from the start of yeah. Folk Alliance until we played Knoxville. And you played full, full band. Yeah, full yeah. band on the tour. Yeah, I took... Uh, Seth Fox, my Swiss Army knife, who plays the sax, the flute, the... I, I, I say he plays the garage sale, you know, because <laughs> it looks like he's just got like a, you know, like a divorcee's uh, ex-husband's music shop on the stage. Uh, but uh, guitar, sax, clarinet, flute, shaker, backup vocals, block of wood sometimes uh yeah wh whatever he can get his hands on he'll play and, he, saw. and he'll do it well yeah we we got to get him on the saw he's, <laughs> he hasn't practiced enough for it yeah yet. He's, too, he's too busy shedding to play saxophone with 19 other people in town this weekend yeah uh, some dead tribute he was telling me about yeah yeah he played the dead thing with mike miz uh, he's got two gigs yeah. today uh, oh, they're geez. both downtown so they'll be well attended and i won't he won't miss me uh <laughs> I wanted I wanted to take Mike to see Seth play, but uh, we're not going downtown. Uh, 
But yeah, and then uh, Madison George, fantastic young drummer who just got to town from Michigan. That's the only way I can usually afford great drummers is when they've just I, got here. <laughs> I know that trick. Yeah, I know that trick well. Yeah, no, I've got a lot of great musicians off Craigslist because they yeah. just got to town and they don't know yeah. what else to do. And yeah, they, they need something. Tom Waits and yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, they've heard Tom Waits. <laughs> no, I met Daniel Seymour. I was the first guy to have Daniel Seymour in Nashville back in 2008. Yeah, you know, before he played with Tommy or David Olney or. Killer D's or any of those people, he was playing with me, and I, you know, I, I think I still get a little bit of a price break because of that. But, and then uh, Ryan Case, my good friend and one of my favorite songwriters, came with us and played bass, and yeah, it was it was, it was a really fun tour. Like I say, everything but the uh, the gas prices were were yeah a success. Yeah, we were just talking about that. That's yeah, that's got to be insane because I'm playing. I was telling you, I'm planning a, a tour. Um, this will probably come out after it releases with a, a, a bud from Oklahoma. And um, yeah, I was like, I don't know how we're going to do this because we're not really like lining up to where we could just jump in one car together. So no. it's going to be yeah. Well, yeah, no, you definitely want want to keep it down to as few vehicles as possible. <laughs> I know, I know. And we rented uh, a car and. Thank God that we rented it and uh, that I reserved some of the hotel rooms. Because, and thank, you know, mostly gratitude towards the many people who let us crash at their places because that was a lifesaver. You know, we did. Yeah. We started with 11 gigs and lost two of them because of staffing issues and just yeah. the general falling apart of the American society. <laughs> uh, but. I think out of the nine we played, uh, we had a place to stay at all, but like three or four of them with friends and things like that. So that's so thank you to those people first and foremost. But that's amazing. Yeah, I um, uh, a lot of what I you know what I've had to do is is just like reach out crowdsourcing via social media and stuff like that. You know because sure. I can't like at this oh. point I can't really unless I'm solo afford right. You know, no, yeah, a hotel put, room every night. Uh, I mean, to put four people up for a yeah. night, you know, to do that as a solo artist. I mean, that's, there's a yin and a yang to being a solo artist, right? Like mm -hmm. you can, you know, you don't have to deal with the, the drama of the, you know, pseudo romantic relationship that a band right. seems to be in, which is just, you know, it's, it's beyond anything I could ever deal with ever again. Uh, yeah. You've got three or four other girlfriends. I don't work well with others, yeah. I guess. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I think it was Louis Armstrong that said, "I got you know, I get along with all my band members. I pay them, you know." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's no drama here. <laughs> well, it's funny because when I started, when I moved here, I had the band mentality, which I think most people do. You probably did too, coming from Mississippi. Yeah. And it was so bizarre to me that everyone was just a hired gun. Like, yeah. why don't you want to do it together? And then I got it. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's. Like, I mean, yeah, it's better it's, for everyone. It's literally. so tough to be a band. I mean, one of some of my good buddies, uh, Cordova's, uh, yeah. you know, they're doing it and they're doing great. Uh, but the discipline and the organization and just the, you know, the sacrifices that those guys make to do that is, right. you know, I mean, it is. It's a, it's 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 something that's beyond me. I couldn't do it. You know, I mean, I couldn't do it. I got a couple of guys, you know, that I've mentioned already here that, you know, I trust uh, that if they don't have anything better to do, that they'll do it with me every time, yeah. you know, even if I can't pay them as much as I want to. Uh, but they expect to get paid. Right. Yeah. And if they can't do it, I shut up. You know, I do it by myself or I do it with somebody else. Right. You know? I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's no, there's no personal feelings involved in it other than, 
you know, the personal feeling of connection when we do get to play together. Well, it's also, I think, too, there, there's a weird dynamic in a band where um, there could be a gig where I'm like, no, fuck this, I'm not doing it. But then the other three guys are like, no, we're doing this. But then there's another time where they did something that they said, fuck this, I'm not doing it. And it's like, well, it's the greater good. Well, we're yeah, all sacrificing together. Well, I mean, it's trying to get four people on the same page. Yeah, yeah. And it's, so it's, there's a lot know, of compromise, and yeah. they expect the compromise from you, whereas, like, if... if But I wrote the damn songs. Yeah, if I go on a yeah, tour I, by myself... Do what I tell you to do. And I don't want to play this gig, then it's, fuck it, I'm not See, playing all this all my gig. favorite bands were all, like, solo projects that just had band names anyway. You know, yeah. Like the Lemonheads. I mean, that's just having Dan doing a bunch of hired guns, you know? Right. <laughs> but solo, I mean, the other, the other freedom of solo to me, the, the the main reason it appeals to me is because I don't sound like, you know, my, my songs don't have a lot of consistent thematic threads, you know? Like, mm -hmm. each song is kind of, like, you know, it's it's, it's it, an, an album is a bouquet of wildflowers, and if I'm lucky, it looks good together. You know, yeah. Try to coordinate it that way, but I'll do a gospel song, a, a funky trip hop song, a country song, a blues song, mm -hmm. and if you do that as a band, it's tough to build that brand that you were talking about before. Right. It's easier to build that brand of unpredictable and maybe maybe schizophrenic, maybe just <laughs> batshit crazy. You know. With when you're a solo artist, and my favorite people like Beck and Tom Waits and Elvis Costello, like that was kind of that's a, that's a thread that those three, and a lot yeah. of other my favorites like Fiona Apple and Bjork, you know, I mean, you don't know what they're gonna do. Well, even the dead, that. we were talking about the dead earlier. Like, yeah, are they doing bluegrass? Are they doing country? Are they doing jam band? Yeah, oh or, sure, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Those guys had such a chemistry and magic together, you know, and then, and, and and I think that that's that's one of those things that romanticizes that was that. I'm not saying it was easier to be a band back then, mm -hmm. but everybody was kind of figuring that kind of thing out at the same time back yeah. then. Yeah. They were living in the houses. It was a more communal thing, and there wasn't the supply that there is now. Right. There just wasn't. I mean, because there couldn't have been. Like, well, there's that's still not, not how time back works, there, right? The know? band. Well, then that's the thing about the, the smaller towns. music is that the Grateful <clears throat> Dead and the band are still out there. Oh, okay. Like every record that gets released yeah. is still competing with songs from the Big Pink. Yep. You know, and American Beauty and stuff. You're still competing with that. That supply still exists in the market. Yeah. So it just wasn't the same 50 years ago. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I thought you were talking about just generally like back then, like when you were in Mississippi. <laughs> so I was like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely more communal in the smaller towns, but I get what you're saying. For yeah, sure. For, yeah. Well, even yeah, back in that the, too, yeah. but yeah. Well, and you know, the 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 fact that you know the the portals weren't as open with the internet and streaming and things like that yeah. meant that your local scenes could be more vibrant mm -hmm. like nobody knew who the biggest band in Hattiesburg was but they were making good money and they had a good fan base in the you know Pine Belt area King Conga you know you know yeah. King Conga I do not know King Conga He's from Louisiana Right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, you're from Louisiana and you didn't hear King Conga, but they were the biggest thing in Hattiesburg in the 90s because it wasn't streaming to compete against them, you know, and, and people went to their shows and things like that. So, yeah. yeah and I mean, that's like in, in Lafayette, you know, for the 12 or 15 years I was there, you know, there were the bands that a lot of them were like more Cajun because, and, and outside of that region, you know, if you say, right. Steve Riley or Fofolet or people are like what Beausoleil maybe Beausoleil because they're pretty big in, on NPR and stuff like that but right. like no one's gonna be like oh yeah I love them yeah but not like, unless they're, they're gonna from sell out Lafayette. Yeah, yeah exactly do you know Nick Bodwin 
Not Runner of the Woods. I know Runner of the Woods. Yes, yeah, yes. I do Nick know him. The, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. The, he's got, one of my favorite songs is uh, "Acadiana Girl." Somebody yeah. get me back to life. Get me out of life yet. Yeah, I was there for his uh, his album or that single release. Yeah. Uh, it was at uh, American Legion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love Nick. Uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. You know, that's uh, it's, it's Carrie Hudson is another example to me, I think, of a very underappreciated artist that I thought was the biggest rock star in the world when I was growing up. Yeah. Now, I thought Blue Mountain was the biggest rock band in the world when I was 15 years old. I was sneaking <laughs> into towels to see him. And the fact that they're not, you know, that, that he's not headlining Americana Fest every year just shows the disconnect between, like, what I understood is like right. the alternative and Americana and country rock and stuff, you know, I mean, I thought it was uncle Tupelo, yeah. you know, whiskey well, town and blue mountain. I thought that yeah. was it, you know? So. Well, it, and it is weird kind of going off of that. The Texas is like one of the only uh, scenes that is a little insular, but also insular, but also just like, yeah, it projects. It's yeah, got, it projects. But it, 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 and, it, and, it's, and it's had like kind of a, a lasting legacy quality to it. You it's know, like so Everybody's huge. come back to Austin yeah. to find out the history of, you know, everything that happened after Jerry Jeff got there, you know, or yeah. before, before, you know, after Waylon and, yeah. But also, like also, if you ask someone on the street who Guy Clark or, or yeah, Jerry Jeff Walker is, they're not going to know. Oh no! You go downtown. I, this is this yeah. has become kind of a sadistic uh, pastime for me when I have a relative or a friend or something that comes into Nashville and they want to go downtown yeah. and hear music. Like just to make myself angry, I'll request a Jerry <laughs> Jeff song or a Guy Clark song or a Towns Van Zandt song. And I mean, I'm 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 down to throw a hundred dollars to, to, they do to the one who can do it. Hadn't happened. That's funny. Hadn't happened. Um, I I was playing downtown. New wagon wheel. Uh, and this is, we were talking earlier, uh, I have five like anecdotes. This is probably one of them I've said on the podcast before, but I was playing downtown and, um, I was playing like Hank Williams senior and like George Jones and shit like that. Right. And then this guy comes up and he gives me like a 20 and asks me to play, uh, sounds of silence by disturbed. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> you are not paying attention, my dude. Yeah. I'm like. Dude, yeah, we that's were d- Simon and Garfunkel, and he was like, "Who?" And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, we were uh, we, we we did the uh, we did one of the shows on the tour, and I'm not going to say at which place it was and whatever. But this uh, very nice inebriated lady had visited this place from Florida on her vacation, and she said. I want you to play Wagon Wheels. I came all the way here from Cocoa Beach, Florida to hear Wagon Wheels. I was like, you came to the wrong show. Yeah. You poorly planned your vacation. Right. <laughs> How long did you plan this? Oh, my God. You got to do a little research. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like the, I mean, that's, it's, that's amazing how fast that became, you know, that, you know, like Freebird and, and, um, Mustang Sally and it's a great song. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got nothing against Wagon. I know, but it's know? just it's, funny. It's, it's, like it's a, yeah. in the ten years, it's become that massive. It's like true. All these- no, it's crazy. It's it's credit to uh, the songs that Bob Dylan decides to steal. You know. Yeah. 
It is a great song. It's a great song. Yeah. But. And it's, you know, it's, it's got that kind of quality, like Plastic Jesus, where people just keep adding on verses and yeah. shifting it around and reinterpreting it, you know, and half the drunk bachelorettes on downtown Broadway don't know the right lyrics anyway, so it'll morph into some other, like, yeah. blob of lyrical nonsense later. Yeah, but play great. Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy, and they're going to nail it. I'll tell you what. <laughs> you know every word. <laughs> you know every word, yeah. <laughs> You, you got to hit places, uh, you know, you, you got to hit them a couple of times. That's why, I mean, you know, the next time I do uh, a bigger tour, it'll probably be going back to the places I just went, you know? Yeah. I mean, it makes more sense than going and taking the nut punch of empty spots in the Midwest to start the process all over. Because by the time I'm able to get back to the East Coast, you know, it'll probably be a little too late, you know? Yeah. And they, they just, it's, you easily forget, you know? Mm-hmm. If, if it's not, if you haven't built your brand up enough, you right? Know. No, you got. I mean, what is it? They they used to say the rule of sevens, right? For marketing and stuff, people got to see your name seven times. Yep, it's got to be seven million now with like you know with all the information that's available. Like seven, at least seven thousand. You know, the rule of seven is absurd. It's, but it's probably it's probably accurate for like touring a spot and like building a crowd yeah. in, a, in a region or in a town or a state or something. You got to hit it seven times. You know? Well, because nobody gives a shit about you until they connect with you. So absolutely. They see your name a few times and then maybe they talk to you at a show and then they come back and they bring a friend or whatever and you start growing from there. But like, yeah, or you do something stupid that gets your, your, you do a viral tweet and sure. everybody like <laughs> Oh, yeah, you get lucky. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that, that kind of stuff doesn't fall on many people, and it's you know, they're usually a lot younger and cuter than me, so right, that's yeah, fine. That's exactly. Great. I'm not, I, you know, and that's the thing is, again, it's, uh, you know, the purpose of doing this is to connect with the people that you harmonize with, the people that you're on the wavelength with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and... If there was a if there was a formula for that, if there was you know some computer program, some Python language or something you could type in to make that happen automatically, I'd pay for it. Yeah, you know, and I'd be there. Yeah, you it's know? it's hard to find your your. I think when you start and and you're not a grizzled veteran and you're just starting out and you're wet behind the ears, you think that everyone has to be a fan of you, and it takes a long time to learn that it's not everyone's going to be a fan of you and it's a very narrow like the more you narrow it the better you're doing yourself justice oh, absolutely. yeah absolutely now you got to find the people that are on your wavelength uh you know that's uh yeah that, that's a pipe dream that everybody's going to dig what you're doing but you know if you do it for the right reasons and, and and you do it with passion and you keep your eyes open on stage then i think that you know at least for me, you know, as long as I do that consistently, I turn around and there are more people buying. Yeah. Know? So that's all you can hope for. Just a you chance some, to keep uh, making more of them. You did some Americana Fest stuff last year that was kind of catching some wind. Um, yeah. You did Brooklyn Bowl. That was with Cordova's. Yeah. And yeah. then you did another gig. What was the, it was that thing with Adrian and Meredith, right? Yeah. We yeah. did a little, uh, one of the day party things mm-hmm. at uh, Fat Cat Slums, Fat Rest Cat in Slums. Peace. Yeah. 
Uh, oh, did that go under? Yeah, well, they—they, uh-huh. they, I don't think it went under. I think they just closed down. The owner is a is a, is a friend. He's a good dude. I think he just, I think he just wanted out of the business and not to get too into into that. But that place has been tough, man. The parking there is tough. Yeah, and yeah that's always a been a curse of that. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like it's not quite downtown, but it's not quite not. Yeah, and you know the 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 parking, just kind of the accessibility from the street. You know, it's like right across the street's party foul. It's all whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it, and it was it was a really cool spot, and I hope that they put something cool there again. I just don't know if a bar is the best thing to do, you know, because Manny had a great bar there, like he had set it up really, really nice, mm-hmm. and it's just a really hard spot to get people to go to. And I think there's just something about it being uphill, and us all being fat, lazy <laughs> fucks that just like automatically like turn people off. Right. <laughs> it's like everything was hill. downhill from that. Like, yeah. yeah like, I'm not walking up a hill. No, no. I'll drive to Frugal, but <laughs> I'm not walking to Frugal. No. <laughs> Crazy. So maybe that's it. I don't know. But yeah, we did that. I uh, did something with Nomad and uh, and Mary at their studio over in East Nashville. It was really fun. It was more of a oh, cool, yeah. chilled down thing. Uh Jeez, I want to say I did something else, but that was a that was a tough week for me. I had some personal things happen that week, and it was all kind of a blur. Uh, but it, I mean, you know, the performances are fun. That's the that's what I do music for. It's another reason I do music is to uh, you know ignore reality for a few minutes on stage. You know? Right? Yeah, you get that. Uh, Once you yeah. get that high, it's it's hard to, to yeah. stop. Well, and you know, if you got a chance to just give yourself an excuse to get into the spirit world for 45 minutes and like, you know, mm-hmm. connect with people and speak the language of love and stuff, then why would you focus on the bad things, you know, while you're doing that? Right. When they're pretty much impossible to avoid in the rest of your life. But for, you know, anywhere from an hour to four hours when somebody lets me do it, I can, I can ignore it. Uh, so, yeah, no, Americana Fest was fun. We're doing another uh, we're doing another day party this year. Hopefully, yeah. uh, ho- hopefully doing a couple of things, but I don't want to put anybody on the spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, I was I was talking to your publicist, and mm-hmm. they were saying uh, you might be doing some stuff. Yeah, that thing's gonna happen, but I don't know cool. if he'll let me announce it yet. But it's gonna be a really cool day party. Uh, did he tell you what it was gonna be? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. well I, I can cut it out if... Sure, if, yeah. If he says it's not good. Yeah. No, we're going to be doing a day party at freaking Arnold's. Yeah, yeah. He told me. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be doing a day party at Arnold's, man. Mm-hmm. The greatest restaurant in Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, the the meet and three. Uh, because Khalil and and them have uh, started doing Arnold's After Dark now, where they have like a cool cocktail bar. I've heard about that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they make a really good uh, old-fashioned and a really good Manhattan and that's not something you expect from your your yeah, average meet and three, yeah. uh, and it's still like the busiest lunch place ever. So I think the Thursday of Americana Fest at noon, like while all the chaos is going on, we're going to be playing Americana songs, whatever the hell those are, <laughs> over the sounds of clinking trays and you know people crunching to the marrow on some fried chicken. <laughs> That'll be fun. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for this this year's Americana Fest. Um, I didn't do really much last because I was still kind of just trying to stay away from everything. And oh yeah, well, you got a young child. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. That's a, that's a fragile fragile thing to be like. No, I'm gonna go play some country songs with some right. strangers. <laughs> yeah, she's only like six months at the time too. So it was like, yeah, <laughs> Not, I'm gonna stay yeah, away from that. No, I wouldn't have done anything if I had that going on. Uh, 
so yeah, you did the the tour, and then um, uh, you're releasing. When's the next two singles that you're releasing? So Act Two of this three act thing, and I think it's going to culminate in six songs. Mm-hmm. Which my songs are a little longer, tend to be you know in the four to six minute range a lot of times, mm-hmm. which apparently is you know it's, it's like reading a novel these days for for song <laughs> length. God, it is. Uh, but I think I think six songs is going to be a good a good position to put myself in for a twelve inch. Uh, so the goal is is that thirty eight minutes is that right? Yeah, I think so. Thirty eight yeah. at at, at forty five, F- right? Okay. Which is the better sound quality? You mm-hmm. want forty five instead of thirty three and a third from what everybody's learning. Uh, and it, it is true the the forty five is a, is a higher fidelity on the on good record players. Um. So yeah, uh, the next two songs are going to come out at the end of September, I believe. And I didn't write either of them, but I'm singing them both. Uh, one of them is a a song by another one of my Mississippi heroes, who I thought was the biggest rock star in the world when I was younger, uh, Mark Mann. I'm doing one of Opal Dial's old songs, uh, and then another one is a song written by Ryan Case, who played bass with me, and I said it was one of my favorite songwriters. I'm doing one of his songs that he's never put out on another project because uh he doesn't like to record waltzes i don't know that's not that's not a fact don't (laughs) just making that it is hard to to record waltzes it's weird yeah it's hard to write waltzes i love i love three four six eight stuff you know i mean i don't Mm -hmm. really know the difference on a theory basis between six eight and three four because i'm more of a math guy and i think of them as the same thing uh you know, or they could easily be one twenty one sixtieths for me. You know, because yeah, you know, I think it has one, to do two, with three. the note lengths and stuff like that. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Take your word for it. I had a minor in music. I know what I'm talking about, or something. <laughs> I had a minor in I had a minor in physics. That's why I, I reduce all the fractions. <laughs> <laughs> you reduce all the fractions. Yeah. Well, it just I think it just has something to do with like in six eight. Um, you know those those like quarter notes. Oh, believe me, this has been yeah. explained to me. Oh, okay. okay. It hasn't sunk yeah, yet. Hasn't You're sunk welcome yet. to do it again. <laughs> you might be the straw that breaks this camel's back. It really, like, and the thing is, like, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It's just a term, three, four, six, exactly. eight. You're still yeah. playing the same thing. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. Not, Not really, but basically. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Says the minor in music. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, I think it's where the chords change and the, and the, the, Length, the duration of the notes and stuff like right. that, that make it either. Three, well, four, no, six, yeah, seven. yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I've a lot. A lot of my songs are are or what I think are four four, and then somebody will tell me like, no, that's six eight. You're just counting it wrong. It's like, Man, that makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> I've done that before. Yeah, like, I mean, you can you can make it four four, right? As long as it's eight. Yeah, you, you you can you can find a way to perceive it as four four. Seven eight's a fun one. The weirdest one to me is uh, five four. Yeah. That one is the hardest one to consistently like do a whole song in five, four. Like you might be able to do like a bar, you know, like right. you might do like, like don't just, let me down. Yeah. 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 yeah where it's like down. seven, eight and then it's five, four and then it's seven, eight or whatever. Right. But like a, a solid five, four song, which there's a Radiohead song um, on in rainbows. That's fully five, four. And it's so weird. Yeah. It's See, uh, yeah. that yeah. one that starts with the drum loop. Like that one's in five, four. And it's so weird. Because it's basically just four four with an extra beat. With every an extra measure. beat every time. 
So then it comes eventually, like mathematically, comes back around. Of course, but then it's every off. twenty beats. Yeah, yeah, it's common weird. denominators. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. See, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I, I don't ever think about things like that when I'm writing music. Like I want to, like I want to make a song that's mm-hmm. seven eight or five four or something. Like I'm never trying to trip myself up. But a <laughs> lot of my songs uh, end up being six eight songs, three four songs, stuff like that. I think it's probably got a lot to do with like Baptist hymns. You know, mm-hmm. and like the cadence that I write my lyrics sometimes are in that kind of yeah. almost limericky kind of cadence. And sometimes I'll write the music after I find the lyrics or, you know. Yeah, when it's really lyric heavy, sometimes you just need an extra um, note, like one bar or whatever to, to add in that extra note that makes sense. And sometimes it's just weird. There was one I did on um, my in Living with Ghosts, which I did with Brett Stewart. Um, uh, and it was a gospel song. So maybe it is something with gospel. And it was weird because I yeah. thought it was like just three, four or something like that. And it turned out it was like three, four. And then there was like a five, four yeah. every like, Oh yeah. No, th- that definitely like happens. That. Yeah. Then no, that definitely happens. And it's, it's really like, yeah, it is. It's like adding those two extra. It's, it's like adding a two, four to a three, four. That definitely happens in some gospel turnarounds for sure. I don't think it's ever happened in any of my songs. I don't think I'm yeah. smart enough for it for, for that to accidentally happen to me. I, I think that it was because purpose. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I just cut it short. And Brett told you. Like, and hey, then, look yeah, you the whole here. band's like, why are we fucking this up every single take? And then Brett figured it out like, oh, this last bar... The don't turnaround trust him is at yeah. all, man. Don't trust him. Don't at trust all. him. <laughs> He's making the math up as he goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you got the you got the digital like interface that's telling you that it's one bar short. So no, it's, short, it's not man. that he's smart. It's just that he can see <laughs> what's a, going on. That's how to read his equipment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Which is why I'm recording in his place. Right. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> no, he's got a great ear. He's a fantastic talent and a wonderful human. He's going to be a great father. Uh don't know anything about his math skills. So. <laughs> Genuinely nothing. Yeah, but uh, it's it's not something that I've ever done on purpose uh, with with time signatures. I do love trying to like squeeze different rhythms in between, you know, in between themselves. Like I love thinking about rhythms as arpeggios, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 writing them that way instead of like grooves that that have pockets and things like that. So yeah. I think that's why some of my stuff ends up sounding kind of six eight ish, like steel wires. I think you know I always thought of as a as a four four song, uh, and you know I think Mike was the one who said like no this is a six eight song. It's like yeah you're right okay, you're just counting like one two three one two three where I was counting one, two, three. Oh, four. like it was really slow. Yeah, yeah exactly. Do you, um, do you start with lyrics, typically, or melody, or? You know, I've, 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 in the last couple of years, especially, I've come to really think about songwriting as discovery, mm-hmm. more so than creation. Uh, so I've kind of stopped like sitting down and like trying to do it. Like I, I just kind of try to pay attention, and I would say that it's 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 pretty evenly split what I find first. Sometimes I'll find that lyrical hook first or that lyrical theme, mm-hmm. uh, something like that first. A lot of times I'll find that melody first and a lot of times I'll find that rhythm first. Uh, probably the lyrics more because I'm a really verbal person and, uh, and I don't mm-hmm. shut up sometimes. 
Uh, so I'll, I'll accidentally say something clever that has like a melodic kind of tinge to it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, ah, I need to write, I'm that re- write that down really quick. That'll be great. But it's discovery, you know. I mean, Shakespeare found it all first in the English language a long time ago, and we're all just kind of like, you know, looking around for what he left behind. Uh, yeah, you know, and the, the, a lot of people found it in between Billy and me. Uh, but yeah, and I, I, typically I'll start with lyrics first. I would say that's probably fifty percent of the time. And then the other fifty percent is between melody and rhythm, probably. You know, that'd be my guess. And do you mostly write on guitar or like piano or? Uh, piano and guitar. Yeah, uh, I got a Ratman, a uh, little Casio keyboard, not long ago, and that's been okay. really fun to write on because it's got very few notes and you can mess around with all these different like nineteen ninety two rhythms. <laughs> They all sound like, you know, like the beginning of a Bell Biv DeVoe song, you know, and you kind of mess with those tempos and stuff. And, you know, when you slow a 1992 Casio rap man down to like the slowest the beat can be, mm-hmm. the rhythms are really like arpeggios, you know, they're not like grooves and pockets and stuff. So, so I've started, I've started writing a little bit on that, uh, you know, one of my favorite things to write on is harmonica. Like if I'm just looking for a melody, I'll just mess around with that randomly, yeah. turn it upside down, you know, and see if I can find a melody there. Uh, but I think my favorite thing to write on, or my most effective thing to write on, where I find the most stuff is piano. Piano, yeah. It's just so much more visual. Yeah, you know, for sure. Just when you, you can you can see what you're where you're going, I think a lot easier than I can. And I've been playing guitar a lot longer than piano. Yeah, but piano is just so much more visual. I definitely like the idea of writing a song on an instrument you don't know as well, because I think that you might open up something exactly uh, with your writing style. You know? Exactly. No, I mean uh, when I when I was in school, I, I got a cheap ukulele, and it was really fun to me, like how much I could do with like two and three note chords, right? You know, and how those melodies really like. Mm-hmm. resonated more than just like strumming a guitar had done before that and yeah expanded the way i played guitar but it also like uh, yeah I, I was able to find a lot of cool melodies on the ukulele i stuff. find that i find notes th- like so if i'm just playing guitar and i'm playing the chords i always find like the melody in the notes that i'm playing and sometimes when you simplify it like ukulele or something like that, you can really find melody that's not even there because it's only two, like you said, two right, or three exactly. notes. Yeah, because that space that's opened up, you know, I mean, that's, yeah. that's the whole concept of, of, of shape and photography, you know, where the, you know, the, the, the picture ends and your mind creates the space on mm-hmm. the outside of the picture. Like, yeah, when you're only listening to two or three notes, you can start to hear right. those harmonics in your imagination, you know. Yeah. And, and well, and you're not like, I, I, I sometimes I trap myself when you know you're just playing one four five or something like that, and and you're singing on the third, um, or the fifth or whatever, or the root, whatever you're singing on, right. because the way that especially country music uh, moves, you move in parts, which is not dissimilar to you know the old Baptist hymns you were talking about. Sure. So you you're kind of moving in those parts. And it's like you know one four five maybe there's like a two or something or in, in there but you're you're very much like kind of almost trapping yourself into um, those 
those melodies that are already kind of there. Yeah. Whereas like whenever you play on a different instrument and it's only a few notes, sometimes you're not as uh, trapped into those like yeah. pre-made exactly. melodies. No, yeah, you can hear those other harmonies and stuff that, uh, you know, you can hear those other melodies and those uh, those connector notes and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally agree. Totally agree. Um, you know, a lot of my, my favorite songs that I've written, you know, to happen by mistake you know like mm-hmm. my favorite parts of them were like little goofs that i'd done because i was trying to play you know this instead of that i i had this this weird thing that's happened to me multiple times like at least three or four times to the point of where i want to so- write a song about uh how it, it was like a premonition of thing that uh, that ended up happening and people would literally be like did you write that song about this? And I'm like, no, that thing happened after I wrote the song to the point where I, I want to write a song about where I just make a bunch of money yeah, right. <laughs> and see if that works. Absolutely. You know? No, well, uh, you know, when I, when the last time I was in, you know, I, I took a little break from like actively sincerely pursuing music. Uh, but back in 2008, when I first started as a solo artist, you know, when I, when I first started calling myself, uh, when I first started just billing myself as Afton Wolf, which is not my real name, by the way. It's my middle name. I mean, it's my real middle name, but... <laughs> yeah, you told me that the first time yeah, I met it's, you. It's, it's, it's not what my victims call me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> his, his real first name is Jerry, everyone. <laughs> Jerry Afton Wolf. <laughs> but I was calling myself Afton Wolf, and, the, and we were changing the name of the band every time, mm-hmm. right? And I had kind of a similar situation where and this even actually goes back to, to, to the worst band name ever, which I'll tell the story <laughs> of that after this. But I've, I've had some weird luck with band names. We, we would call ourselves Afton Wolf and the somethings and like, and we change it every time. So one time we were laughed and Wolf and the, and the long distance lovers because of some, some story somebody was telling during practice. And I was like trying to make the flyers at the same time. So, but then when we played the show, like completely unbeknownst and unplanned and whatever, like two out of town lovers of band members showed up to the show. None, neither of mine, but it was just one of the weird coincidence, you know. And then we called ourselves Aston Wolf in the Ungodly Hours, and we played a show at the Five Spot. And, like the power went out, and we <laughs> ended up not getting started until like twelve o'clock on a Tuesday, you know, until, like midnight on a Tuesday. So oh, God, that's weird, you know. And then we were. Uh, God, what was another one? It happened a few different times, right? Uh, and one of them was like Afton Wolf and like the the shameless debauchery or something, and like it just it turned into a whole nightmare. I don't really want to get into the embarrassing story, but like because of a bunch of different factors, I got way too intoxicated and was not able to fulfill my obligations under the contract with the venue that I was performing at. After the uh, uh, well, it's something debaucherous, you know, loathsome, idiot, whatever, band name. So uh, we also used to do the Afton Wolf and the, you know, that actually all got started doing the Tom Waits tribute show that I do with yeah. Mary Sack every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started doing that. You know, I'd call myself Afton Wolf and the, and it would be some line from a Tom Waits song like Afton Wolf and the Minneapolis Hookers, Afton Wolf and the Crestfallen Sidekicks. Afton Wolf and the Pesky Jumbas, but when I finally put it all together, that I had some kind of magic power mm-hmm. to like influence my fate by <laughs> naming my band. 
there's a song called Clap Hands, and I called our so I called the band After the Wolf and the Skinny Millionaires, because that's one of the lines in there, you know. Uh, tied it to a tr- Gun Street Girl, tied it to a tree with the skinny millionaires. So I called ourselves After the Wolf and the Skinny Millionaires in hopes that I'd lose twenty pounds and make a million dollars, but it didn't work out. Didn't work out that time. That's <laughs> when the luck starts. Yeah, it's it only works whenever it's bad things, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. No, well, uh, you know, the other thing is the worst band name in the world story, if you want to know that one, when I first moved to Nashville, uh, I was in a band called The Relief Effort. And mm. we put out two records. They're not easy to find, and that's not unintentional. <laughs> this, I, I, I like the songs. I'm not a huge fan of the recordings of those two albums and even less of a fan of the money I spent on those recordings of those two albums. But the songs are good. If you're one of those people that likes good songs and likes them recorded poorly, then you know, look it up. It's called the relief effort. Uh, but the relief effort, clever name, you know, we're gonna save everybody from God knows what. The first album comes out, and within a week, I think it was like three or four days later, Katrina happens. Oh wow, yeah. So all this money we've put into it, and I mean Obviously, the tragedy of Katrina you mm-hmm. know, and all the good job brownie fun that happened there. Uh, but the words, the relief effort are on the bottom ticker of every television screen in America. And here I've sunk, you know, what amounted to my, you know, mid 20s life savings into promoting this. And we look like total dicks, you know. Because oh, people think we you. like, you know released it just because of that like like i can work that fast but whatever so we we debate a lot about changing the name but decide not to for whatever reason i mean this is a long time ago this is 2005 four or five something like that then we put on another record called at your mercy has a picture of the uh, now closed mercy lounge one of those metal stars that they used to have on the outside probably still do uh called out your mercy and uh three days later tsunami is down in uh southeast asia like thailand i remember that yeah Yeah, all that Mm -hmm. like 2006 i think all happens uh so yeah once again the relief effort donate to the relief effort donate to the relief effort support the relief effort uh worst band name ever yeah yeah that is the worst band name ever worst band name ever yeah Buster Hyman and the Penetrators was a real band. Maybe the Red effort. Cross would be a, a pretty bad one too. Right? Oh, I mean, I, I'm sure I can think of worse ones now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I think, now. Think of worse ones to be. <laughs> Can't think of any worse ones that were. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, Afton, where are you heading next? Like, where's the next? Uh, is it American Contest? When's this coming or? out? Uh, probably. Let's see. We got one, two. Three, uh, probably in like a month or a month and a half. So, okay. So we're looking so, at like August. So we're probably just following up with my wildly successful and <laughs> crazy party that I had for, uh, you know, the Swill TV guys. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan and Katie. Yeah. Ryan and Katie mm-hmm. and Ben. Yeah. And ben. Uh, I'm doing a, uh, I'm doing, I'm playing one of their parties Sunday, July 31st. One of their premieres. Ben's going to do a video for So Purple. Nice. With some footage from Ryan and Kevin, Flooded Sun, Liquid Light Show. Oh, okay. Uh, I've, got, I've, got, I've got dirt on all these people. That's how uh, you get it. Uh, I need dirt on these people. <laughs> that's so yeah. true, man. 
Spike Hammer is best investments I've ever made. Uh, but uh, so probably just coming off of that, and probably getting getting looking forward to our uh, our wild show at Arnold's, which is going to have a couple of really special guests. One of them should be Brian Wright. I may have to ask you to delete that, but you know, you just uh, let me know. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll tell you if I do. No, I think Brian's going to do it with us, uh, and then I'm going to be doing a lot of recording. Uh, getting ready for a release in February. I'm sure there'll be a couple of things that come up between now and then that I don't know about. But Americana Fest, and then the next thing after that's going to be Toto Santos with uh, Cordova's and Brian Wright and Mark Ford and uh, New Mangoes and King Corduroy. And that's just the best party in the world, man. And yeah. Anybody who can possibly go to Toto Santos, Mexico, to the Tropic of Cancer Arts Festival, you should come. I'm not going to miss you if you don't, yeah, because there ain't no time for that. It's paradise, but <laughs> you should come. Uh, it's brilliant. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And, and then, uh, like I said, the release will be coming out in February, and then I'm already starting to work on another Northeast run for the spring of next year. So, what's the uh, website? AftonWolf.com. Yeah. W o l f e. W o l f e. A f is in Frank. For all the uh, people with. They can't hear that. Who I talked to on the phone over day. A F T O N W O L F E dot com. Yeah, Afton Wolf. Man, thanks so much for stopping by. Man, thanks for having me. It's been a fun, fun chat. Yeah, yeah. a lot of editing. <laughs> a lot of editing. <laughs> Sweet. Surely you got enough to cut that into four minutes of quality stuff. All right, that's it for this episode of Americana Station Podcast. Uh, make sure that you rate and review us. Uh, and tune back in next time uh, on the podcast. We got uh, Brittany Collins is going to be on. Uh, India Ramey will be interviewing her. And um, we also have Evermore Nest, my uh, friend Kelsey May from New Orleans, will be on. Um, and we also have Liv coming up and um, a few others in the pipeline. There's actually one uh, uh, I will announce once I confirm it. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And uh, make sure you check out Afton Wolf's new singles on your favorite streaming platform and go support him on uh, Bandcamp or actually on his website, AftonWolf.com. See you next time. Stop down